Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, True Rojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today, we're going to talk with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. He's going to talk to you all about this USC football team. Won a couple of games in a row, a couple of conference games, beating Utah and now beating Cal. So we're going to talk about USC's trip up to Berkeley and getting that win, a close win, uh, over Cal and Jared Goff. If you have any questions or comments, we'd still get a lot of your questions. We love them. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address, or you can give us a voicemail. Leave us a voicemail a couple different ways. 641-715-3900 is the number, extension 816-646, or you can go to our website, peristylepodcast.com, click on the left side of the page, and you can leave a voicemail right from your computer or any of your devices. Of course, you can go to itunes.com slash peristylepodcast and subscribe via iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Lots of different ways to get a hold of us. If you're at the gym, you're in the car, you want to listen to the Peristyle Podcast. We're doing multiple shows a week, as you know, with Coach Harvey Hyde on Mondays. Dan Weber on Tuesdays. I'll do some solo ones. We'll do game previews. We'll kind of mix them up, some recruiting ones. So we try to do them different every week. But as usual, we have Coach on Monday, and he's with us right now. What's up, Coach? How are you? Ryan, I'm doing great, buddy. Thank you very much. And for all of our listeners out there, I hope you had a great weekend. Every time you get that W, it is a great weekend. So it was a great Halloween as far as for USC and the Trojan fans. I guess uh, the team had a rough trip back. Now, I don't know how close I am to being correct on this, Ryan. You probably know. But I understand the plane had uh, mechanical difficulties, and they had to get on buses and leave I think they were at the Oakland airport and go to San Francisco, and I understand they, it was fogged in there. Now, I'm not sure what time they got home, but I know uh, Arbogast tweeted out something at 10 a.m. in the morning saying, I just got home. Now, I don't <laughs> know if that's true or not, but if that's true, they didn't have a great Halloween like I thought they should have. Yeah, I know, especially with a noon game, Coach. I, I, I'd kind of seen some tweets, but I didn't really uh, follow up and get confirmation. And Clay Helton didn't talk about that at all on his conference call on Sunday. But I'll, I'll, I'll do some digging and find out what exactly happened there. But, yeah, that's interesting. And, you know, noon game, you think everyone's getting home early. People could actually, you know, fly home after the game from the Bay Area instead of, uh, you know, stay until Sunday morning if you wanted to. Um, but, yeah, so, unfortunately, it <laughs> doesn't sound like that happened for the team. But, uh, before we jump into stuff, Coach, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets, uh, sctickets.com. That is the website, or you can give them a call at 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for remaining USC home games. you got Arizona coming up, of course, UCLA, even the road games, or any Southern California tickets if you want it. The Clippers and Lakers are starting again. Baseball's now all over, Coach, so you don't need any of that. But hockey's going on, so lots going on here in Southern California across the nation. You can go to sctickets.com. And they will help you out. And, uh, Coach, we got tons of questions. So I think we can just kind of jump into the questions and start answering. We'll talk about what we think of the what happened in the game. Is that cool with you? That's perfect. Let's run the hurry-up questions. Hurry, okay, here we go. Let's start with a voicemail. Hey, Ryan, this is Eric in uh, SEC country. Um, thank you for all that your team does um, to keep us SEC fans informed. Um, fight on. I love it. My question is uh, for you, Coach Hyde. 
Um, why are we on offense trying to run out the clock with over 10 minutes left in the game? Aren't we keeping teams in the game by not running our offense and scoring again? Um, to me, this shows Coach Helton's inexperience and unkiller instinct approach to coaching. Uh, your thoughts? Hold up and hold up. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you know, it's uh, first of all, let's set the stage for this. First of all, Cal's a good football team. They had, they're three and zero at home during the year. I mean, uh, they had not lost a game at home. They were in a desperate situation. They had lost two games in the Pac-12. They were in a situation if they're going to stay in track with Stanford or in the race with Stanford and Oregon, they had to win this football game against USC. They got Daniel uh, Lasko back, the running back, and if you watched him, he really ran hard. And one thing that impressed me about him, I don't know if you saw the hit. He might have been the one that put the hit on. Marshall that broke his wrist or the bone in his wrist. I'm not sure if that was a play or not, but they got tough kids up there. And uh, Sonny Dykes has taught these kids how to play. And, uh, you know, and they're a good football team. So going up there on the road, you've got to look at everything to say, what do we need to do to win? Now, USC had played Notre Dame, which you got to get fired up to play Notre Dame on the road. They had played Utah in the Coliseum where they got really on a big hype, really, where you had to get as high as you can get to win this football game, and they did. And now, again, you have to go to Cal and play a great football team. Now, you've got a lot of emotion, but you've got to be good enough not to always be at the same level of intensity to win a football game, and you've got to do what's ever necessary to win that football game. And I'm not trying to beat around the corner as far as when they started running the football at the end of the game and time management. But they went up there and they accomplished their goal and they had to find a way to accomplish that goal. Because obviously you're not at the same level of being ready to play. You can't be three weeks in a row. You've got to be good enough to go up there and win. So Cal had a couple of days extra to prepare for them. So they had an advantage there as far as the resting and so on. They went up there, and uh, they played against one of the best quarterbacks in the country, Jared Goff. And uh, I thought they played well. And towards the end of the game, uh, their running game is basically what won the football game because they had trouble or they called off the dogs and the stunts, which I didn't want them to do early in the game. I mean, who am I to tell them I didn't think they should do this? But when they hurried Jared Goff, they made things happen. He was not as accurate. And he wasn't in rhythm as well. So I always say this. If you can keep the other team off the field, then that's the best defense you can have. If you, if you can dominate, move the football, run the clock down. And I thought Clay Helton did a great job as far as time management is concerned, the way he ran the clock down, then called a timeout, and the different things he took. Now it took a couple of great efforts, a third down play by Madden and another one by Justin Davis and other great efforts. And, of course, it took three turnovers to make that happen and not to have any turnovers. And FC had a few more penalties than what they normally should have. But it was enough. So I think what we have to do is look at this as something to say, well, we've been talking about them running the football. Well, they ran the football 50 times, and they had some great backs to get it done. And uh, they were able to win that, get that W on a very difficult day uh, in Berkeley in a must-situation win. So 
Yeah, I can be critical. You've heard me before be very critical when it's time to be critical. If you want to say uh, they maybe could have done other things a little bit better, I think they could have. I, I do. I think they should have kicked a field goal rather than going for it way down later in the game when they missed it and they didn't make it on fourth down because I think that it made it a three-score game rather than a two-score game. So if you look at some of the things like this, yeah, there's always something you can do better. But you look at the films and you look at everything and you learn from this and now they got an Arizona team and you can't overlook them even though they were beaten 49-3 to by Washington. Um, okay, Coach, that's interesting. We got the question about the offense. We kind of switched to the defense a little bit. But you're right, I mean – that overall, though, I mean, yeah, there were definitely some things I think they could have done better and been a little bit more aggressive. But having that four-minute offense at the end where they they finished the game with the ball as opposed to hoping the defense can hang on at the end, I thought that was a huge difference. We haven't really seen that a lot before. No, I agree. And, and when it came down to it, let's, let's look at it this way, too. Those kids made the statement coming off the field. Chad Wheeler made the statement coming off the field, and he was quoted by saying, we won this game for Clay Helton. Those kids are playing harder for the coach. They believe in the coach. They bring their game. They give the extra effort, the effort that Justin Davis made, the effort that uh, Madden made, the effort that kids made on certain plays during the game. How about Adoree Jackson's interception and return? And how about the kickoff team? That's the best play of the game. I love it to watch the coverage team. They go down there no matter where the ball is kicked, and they never get the ball past the 25-yard line. It's always inside the 20. What a great job that coverage team does. And they don't get enough praise for it. They're the number one cover uh, team in the Pac-12. I don't know where they're ranked nationally, but, God, they have fun, and, God, do they fly down out of the football. So, yeah, I agree with all that stuff. So uh, I know we got a lot of questions. Yeah. So I don't want to ramble on. No, no problem. Okay, let's go to Dennis in Lancaster. He wants to know about Juju Smith. You know, he got hurt. We, we heard last night, actually, that – uh, they potentially are going to have wrist surgery, and he could he could even be back for Arizona. Clay Helton just wasn't sure, but he's going to likely probably need some kind of surgery to his wrist. It's a quick recovery type of surgery, most likely. So he might miss a game or two at most, I would think. Um, but anyway, so his question was, um, with him being hurt, do you think it's time to get him off the kickoff return team? Justin Davis did a great job. And also, do you want to see more of Jalen Green, Deontay Burnett, and Daquan Hampton on the offense, they show they can play, uh, you know, they can play receiver, you know, especially what, you know, they don't want to, he doesn't want Juju to be overused like he is sometimes. USC's done that with their star receivers in the past. So he said, love the show, fight on. And that's from Dennis in Lancaster. Yeah, there's a, there's a certain amount of, of uh, turns or times you can be hit during a game. And uh, it's always great to have your stars touching the ball as often as you, as you want. You've always said, or you heard me say, get your players on the field, get your players on the field, get them in the right position so that they can make a play for you. But I think there's also a time of when probably the most dangerous play in football, I'm going to be honest with you guys, and you know it as well as I do, is the kickoff team and kickoff return team. Here are the guys, these guys went 40 yards at full speed, and the offense, uh, the only way you can return a kickoff is to run full speed and hit the scene, and you're going to have some head-on collisions. It's like a car wreck on a freeway head-on. So, yes, it is dangerous. You take a chance by doing that. I think you have other great players who can do that. Yes, you give up sometimes the opportunity of a home run, but what are the odds that you do run a kickoff back all the way? Not not real good. 
and also on the punt. They've been covering the punt well. And, you know, when you have your great stars back there, they don't kick the ball to you. Yeah. They kick the ball to the side on and the kickoffs. They do the pooch punt. Look how many times they pooch punch, punted. So why, why take a chance? You know, let your athletes recover, get ready to play where you can really know what's going on and don't put them in too many plays. How about uh, Scott in Vancouver? International question, Coach. Um, he said, based on the fact that SC didn't sack Goff all day, knocked him down once, only knocked him down, uh, the only only knocked out one pass, that was Cameron Smith, and gave Goff a lot of time in the pocket, uh, and we were missing an injured, injured Marvell Tell, were you surprised that Cal didn't throw the ball more? Was I surprised they didn't throw the ball more? no. No, they, 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 yeah, they have earlier in the year. They throw the ball more, but they didn't. They threw the ball 52 times against UCLA. And they threw the ball, I think, 30-some times against USC. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised. But, you see, they got behind really big against UCLA. So they, they, had they felt they had to catch up and pass the ball. Yeah. But so, you know, Jared caught through, what, what was he, 23 for 31? I think that's what he was. Or I forget what his yardage was, 272 yards. Uh, I was surprised, but I think the secondary did a pretty good job. Uh, they ran the ball. They had last go back. Uh, I think that uh, USC now is playing a little bit better defense, but I think they got to be a little bit more aggressive still. They're, they've got to get the push off the outside. When they do, they have great success with it. They really do when they get the quarterback to hurry. And they can't let the quarterback step up in the pocket and be able to run for first down. Now, they did that a couple of times. They had a good rush on him. Everybody was covered. He stepped up in the pocket and made, made a nice run and made a first down. But, you know, you know we're not, you're not going to stop a player on every single play. You're just not going to do that. So, uh, yeah, there's things you've got to sure up. And, again, he's going to get his yardage. And uh, I thought they took Lawler out of the game pretty good. That's their number one receiver. He had caught nine touchdown passes, one of the leading uh, receivers in the country. So, you know, like I said earlier, there's always things you can do better. But if you look in the left-hand column, win ugly or win somehow, but just make sure you win. And that's what they did with the Cal game. Uh, Let's go to the G. He says, Coach, while a team appears to be leaning on the run, which we all like, it seems inconsistent. By that, I mean we seem to get big plays followed by our backs being dropped behind the line of scrimmage. Is that a failure on the offensive line, getting the push or opening holes, or are our backs not committed to squaring their shoulders and going north-south? Thanks for all you guys do. Best podcast ever. Love Coach Hyde's straightforward talk. Fight on from the G. Well, uh, let me. how many weeks have you heard me say I'd like to run north and south like to run downhill when you have great backs like jones and madden and davis and whoever uh, it just makes common sense if their shoulders are parallel to the line of scrimmage when they get the football they use their god-given talent to find the hole and hit the hole faster because their eyes are looking straight where they're supposed to be going when you run three to four to five yards laterally before you turn up the field it seems as though you're running uh, the wrong way. You're not making yards going laterally. Now, I know a lot of teams are running this with this run read and zone read and all the things they call this to, to run the ball. But I think with the type of backs USC has, I would rather have them in what they call 
if it's going to be a run, one remaining back type of offense in the pistol, in the eye. And I don't think USC is getting much blocking at all out of their tight ends. So let me, I'm not trying to be critical about the tight ends, but if you watch the game, you'll see that they're, they're not physical tight ends. They're young tight ends, and they're not dominating on the line of scrimmage. So you'd be better off running a, a pinner Vanuku either two back sets and have them both in the game at the same time or a two-back set will want them in the game at the same time running downhill where they can pick up the block and block the guys normally that the tight end blocks. The tight ends that currently are on the USC roster are more receivers. They're young, and they really uh, uh, aren't what you call the 6'6", 265-pound tight end that drives you off the line of scrimmage, and the poor linebacker can't even see the running back. So I would go to something different than right now utilizing the tight end. I think they utilize their tight ends very well, or they have been since Coach Helton's been there as far as flanking them out as far as on the quick screens because you've got big receivers out there blocking defensive backs. And in the future, they've got to pump that, give it a pump like they're going to throw the quick screen, have the uh, the blocker go out, block the receiver, and then take off down the field. Oregon does it so well with Marietta. He did it so well after the pump, and Cody can do it, and the guy's wide open running down. They did that. They ran that play twice in the Rose Bowl for two touchdowns last year. So you just take it another level and do that. But I, I agree with our caller. I think we ought to run north and south or downhill more and go to more of the traditional type of USC offense that they've had in the past. Because currently right now you don't get outside the way you should with the offense you're running because it fits an athletic quarterback that runs. You see, you even saw Hogan run a lot this week. He had 100 yards rushing. Yep. Because if they take the run away, then the quarterback's going to be wide open because they're all converging on the running back. So you've got to be able to utilize all of your players that are on the field. And right now, Cody's a good athlete. Cody can pick up 10 yards, and that'll keep the defense uh, honest and the backside honest, not pursuing. And all of a sudden, you know, he carries out the fake. He carries out the fake every time, and he just keeps it. Now, all of a sudden, they have to be aware of that. Um, this this voicemail question, along kind of along the same lines, Coach, I wanted to play it for you and get your thoughts. Hi, Ryan. This is Jay from Pomona. Uh, this question is for Coach Hyde. Um, late in the game, we were up 27 to 14 to a very potent cow offense. And I seen a switch in our play calling. We went to a very conservative play calling. Even our run game that we were trying to run the clock down was very conservative. Um, compared to when in the fourth quarter, we went to a power eye, it was more of an aggressive play calling for a run. We were trying to seal the victory. So I would like for Harvey Hyde or yourself to please explain to me why in the last three coaches, um, Lane, Sarkeesian, and I think now a little bit of Clay Helton, we've seen these coaches go to a very conservative play calling and play not to lose instead of a more aggressive run power run game to play to win. Um, Thank you, guys. I love the podcast. Continue to do a great job. Fight on. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I think we addressed some of this uh, these, this part of this question earlier. Um, 
You know, there are times when I agree with you, there, there could have been a little bit more aggressive on the offensive side of the ball. But sometimes uh, you challenge your offense to win a football game. You challenge them to, hey, guys, it's in your hands. I think I tweeted out at the end of the third quarter, okay, offense, it's your game. If you can control the football and do what you need to do, USC will win this football game. It was in the third quarter of the game, and that's what you're relating to in the fourth quarter, USC beat Cal. And that's Cal's strongest quarter in the entire of the entire season. They've come out after halftime and scored 90 points and had 38 points scored against them. And USC dominated the third quarter. They dominated it. Now they're up, and now they challenge the offense. They cannot catch up if you don't create any turnovers that you maintain and become time of possession. And they had 10 minutes more than what Cal did with the football. Cal was starting to exploit the secondary of USC. You saw it. The momentum was starting to change a little bit. And rather than allow them or take chances or stop the clock with incomplete passes or or different things, uh, uh, they decided to run the football. Now, I thought the quick screens were still there. They got a lot of positive yards off those quick screens, and they kept the field spread out. That's the out- outside, really, uh, five-yard play that USC has since they don't attack it on the run. That's almost like a running play for them. But they get a lot of yards out of that, positive yards. I don't like to play as often as they used to run it. Uh, Lane Kiffin and Sarkeesian run the damn thing all day. But now... It's being used enough to keep them honest to the outside. And if they add what I just mentioned to do it, I think it'll really help them too. But I think it was in the hands of the offense. He challenged his offense to win the football game. And uh, I think they answered. It was too close. I'm going to be honest with you. I worried the whole fourth quarter, okay? I'm, I, I know how you f- people felt, but I felt the same way, uh, that they could win this football game. And if they didn't make those close third down, fourth down uh, plays, they, they would have jeopardized the game and possibly lost the game. So, you know, I thought that one field, that one fourth or fourth down play that they didn't make, uh, they possibly are in a position, I can't remember what yard line they were on, to kick a field goal, but Alex Wood was on. He was two for two. And if they kick that field goal down there, it's a three-score game. So uh, that's the only thing I can say. I don't want to be overly uh, over over analyzed. Let me put it to you that way on this game, because like I said earlier, it was a uh, major, major trip for them and a major game they had to win, and they did it. Uh, thanks for that, Coach. Our, our buddy Nick had kind of questions along the same lines about the run game, so we'll, we'll kind of skip over that. We talked about that quite a bit. Um, but it's specifically on the running back. This is something that comes up quite a bit on Twitter. Uh, we got a bunch of questions in, like Martin uh, PDX wrote in, Coach Hyde, if you're the coach of USC right now, who would be your starting running back? And then he also wants to know, would Scott Felix be starting on your defense? But the, the main thing here, the running back coach, a lot of people are talking about Ronald Jones. They want to see him more. Um, get, get your thoughts on all that. Well, I think Ronald Jones brings something different to the offense. He's so explosive that somebody that's that explosive, the more times he touches the ball, the more times you have a better percentage to make a big play. He's got a great average. I don't know what his average is. I think he averaged like almost eight yards per carry 
against Cal. So he, he's an exciting player, and uh, I think right now uh, Clay Helton would like to play him more, and he'll you'll probably see him more as he gets better. But in what I heard, and I think he talked about it yesterday, Coach Helton, he had a bruised knee or something that he played through, yeah. and that was one reason he didn't touch the ball more times than what Coach Helton wanted to touch it. So I don't, I don't know about that. I know that uh, Justin Davis runs really hard. Madden gives you a different type of power type of back in your backfield. Uh, you know, if you don't have, you take a team like Utah, they have Devontae Booker, and they just run him, but he does everything, every play, every play, every play. But there's such a difference between him and who the backups are. You just can't make that type of change because it limits you in your offensive game. But at USC, they have these type of backs that change up the type of pace that they run. Each has a different style, and uh, they may assist you as far as uh, the defense uh, having to tackle different type of people. But myself, Jones is the back that's a home run back. I don't like alternating backs, okay? I might as well get down and tell you the truth. I like a guy to get a feel. I like a guy to carry the ball 20, 30 times a game. I like a guy to watch and know exactly what he did right one play and what he did wrong the next play and correct it either way. And uh, he's a freshman. He's not, you know, going to be a mature man yet. But he's headed that way, and he's going to be a great back. So, yeah, I have to say that I I think he should carry the ball more, and I think he will because of his explosiveness and what he brings. He's just a tremendous football player. If you watch a game on television – the broadcast is all they do is rave. About yeah, it. They don't, they rave, Ryan, they just rave about it. They and do. You don't even. You don't. They don't even talk about the other back. <laughs> yeah, um, it's on Twitter. That's all I get too. People just tweeting about Ronald Jones, Ronald Jones, Rojo, Rojo, Rojo. Um, I definitely felt he should have got more carries in there. He looked fine to me, Coach. And they, you know, they said he had a bruised knee. Everyone was. All the backs were kind of banged up, but. Uh, I don't know. Something something strange was going on there. He's not the best in pass protection. He's not the best at catching the ball in the backfield. But he does something different than all the other backs. And I think uh, you want to see him out there more than he is right now. What about um, Scott Felix? Uh, Martin had that question on him, too. Do you think he should be starting? Well, you know, I, I really don't have many choices uh, when I see but I don't see them playing a lot of people. I don't see Ruffin playing. I don't see Powell playing. I don't see... Anybody else playing there except for Port Augustine? And uh, I don't see the pressure off the edge that I would like to see. I'd like to see guys explode off the end. I'd like to see guys pass the tackle before he gets out of his stance and cause a lot of havoc in the backfield as far as a passing team. Uh, I don't think he brings you that. He's a tougher type of guy. He's sort of a guy that would be good for the run and, and he's a physical he hard word guy and let me let me put it this way he gives you every single bit that he can give you okay he plays up to his ability is that good enough is it fast enough is it quick enough well those are the things you have to evaluate but what alternatives do you have i don't know who else can they play there because i haven't seen him play anybody i haven't seen him play anybody is porter Gustin, is that his position? From what I've seen, I don't think it is. When he runs around, he doesn't run around like he's real aggressive. 
I think he's a better football player than what he's shown as far as in in that position. Maybe in the future I'd bulk him up 6'5", 290, 280, and I'd move him down and play defensive end. Now, he might not want to hear this, or anybody else might not want to hear this, but that's what I would think about doing next year. Um, All right. Well, our buddy um, Brian from Birmingham had the same kind of thought about uh, uh, Ronald Jones and talking about that. He said, I understand Rojo's needs to learn pass protection. However, that's something that should come with increased time and in the film room. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that, Coach, as far as Ronald Jones with not being the, the best pass catcher, not being the best in pass protection. And we actually talked to him about it. I think it was last week. And he never had to do those things in high school um, ever. So what what are your thoughts on trying to, you know, if you had a back like that when you were a coach and didn't really pass protect, uh, they didn't, just never had to do it before, is that something you can learn quickly? Is that like a you know an instinct thing? Like how how does that work? And what do you what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think I think it's easy to teach. First of all, you got to take the fear out of it. You got you got to tell the kid, hey, no big deal. You get hit harder running the football. So you take the fear out of it. And you teach the proper techniques and how to keep your shoulders square. And if the guy doesn't come, then if you're supposed to release, you release and do what you're supposed to do. But if the guy comes, let him come to you. Don't lunge at him. Because if you lunge at him, he'll swim by you. You sit there, put your face right into his chest, drop back a little bit, do it again, and then cut him. Or do what you have to do. But I but I would sell him, first of all, that it's the easiest part of the game for him. Now, he's not as big as some of the linebackers he'll have to block. But if he does the proper technique and has confidence in what he's got to do, and you got to do that through drills, you got to teach him, here we go, son, and you have him come with a bag first. Guy comes full speed with a bag, and you have your good players do it. And you have him step up, drop back, and take on the blow, and he finds out it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. And then the next thing you have to teach him to recognize defenses so he knows who he has, so he doesn't block the wrong guy, and then he's got to know when he's hot or not hot. If the guy comes, and I block him. If the guy didn't come, I have a route I'm supposed to run. So I don't think it's that hard to teach, so... Uh, the more he's going to play, I'd, I'd spend a lot of time. I'd say, son, you know how to run the football. I'm not worried about that part of it. But, son, we got to teach you to play you more. we got to teach you how to pass block. And if you're willing to learn, I'm willing to teach you. And let's do it against our guys because our guys are probably better than their guys. And all of a sudden take the fear out of it and let him know that, hey, you're going to get harder, hit harder probably carrying the football than you are pass blocking. Uh, great stuff there, Coach. Hey, Tarek wanted to know, should USC completely abandon the shotgun since Cody Kessler and the run game seem to be more efficient under center? Well, you know, I've been talking about that. And should they have a little short huddle, uh, you know, like three yards from the line of scrimmage and break out quickly and run and play? I think communication is very important. Uh, And knowing what play is called and what's going on and uh, all of that. You know, I, I seem to see football tending to go back to that type of football where people know what the game is all about. It's a physical type of football. And uh, when people forget how physical it is, you know, when you go into the arena, you go into the arena to fight, not the ballet dance, okay? So I think a tough tone and a tough game, and you can run the same plays, basically, uh, and you're having – center snap problems as far as and I can't blame 
uh, Khalil for that. He's he's trying to call out the defense. He's trying to know who he's going to block. He's come along. I think he's done a heck of a job, but his snap's been low, and that throws off the timing a lot. So I, I would say it wouldn't hurt. I would say it'd be better, but you run more or less then with your backs running towards the line of scrimmage, square with the shoulders square. You go to two-back offense a little bit more, and you still have your passing game. So it wouldn't hurt a bit. Wouldn't hurt a bit. I, I'd like to see it because I, I like that style of football. I like that style of football. And then when you need to, if it's third down and eight, well, you can still run the football, but then go to your spread and keep your big receivers in the game so that if it is a run, they can block and have mismatches in blocking and and uh, throw the ball or still run the ball. But do a combination of both where people have to be aware of the down-distance situation and what exactly your uh, game plan is, is how you, how you attack this defense. Um, we have a, one more voicemail question for you, and then a couple of different topics off the game we'll, we'll get to. But um, here's the last voicemail question on the Cal game. Hello, Ryan and Coach Harvey Hyde. Don Autry from Upland, California. I've watched USC play in this 3-4 defensive alignment for eight games now. And it is my opinion that this defensive scheme is not working. As I watched the Cal game, there was absolutely no pressure on the quarterback. And as a result, he picked USC's defensive secondary apart. They also were able to run the ball with ease. They almost came back to win the game. The score really should not have been that close. Also, I thought the offensive play calling was very suspect in third and fourth down situations when they needed to get key first downs well you know i think we've answered some of this question but we'll continue and try to narrow down to what you're asking uh, uh, yeah they haven't been able to get to the quarterback with their just their straight rush their three-man front front rush and and uh, uh I, I agree in a four-man rush i really do I think you put more pressure on the quarterback and you get your big guys in the game. And I like that style, especially now today uh, against these offenses. And, and I think also uh, being physical is very important and jumping off the edge with a four man defense. You can bring both of your outside guys right off the edge and put them about a foot or two feet outside the defensive tackle, jump across the line of scrimmage and be in somebody's face immediately. And then your big guys inside, hold their ground and don't let the guards or people get on to your linebackers so that the linebackers can scrape and get into their holes and step up and make the tackle on the line of scrimmage, not five yards down the field. So that's something they might change to next year. Of course, there's going to be a lot that happens here at the end of the season. As far as changing it now, I don't know if they'll change it now. I think they'll try to keep it the same. They practice this all spring. They practice it all fall. Now they practice it during the season. They know what they do here, their assignments. So the only way that you could put more pressure on the quarterback is do what we're talking about. Blitz more, stump more. And don't be afraid to do that. Attacked on defense. You've got to play on their side of the football. It's like, you know, taking the beaches. It's the same thing. You've got to attack. You've got to get him out of his rhythm. You've got to be able to do it and then not do it keep him guessing all the time, and I, I, I'm for playing that type of defense. I like to be aggressive on defense. I think you have more fun playing that way, and I think you have more confidence, and you make big, big, bigger plays by doing that. And 
The secondary, you know, has been covering pretty well. So if you're going to play man defense, you better put pressure on him. Because if you don't put pressure on him, a guy can't cover all day. Makes sense, Coach. All right, Well, so uh, two other topics I wanted to talk about. Um, one, the morning practice. We'll get to that in a second. But this other one, it's a question from Earl in West L.A. He said, twice in the last two years, USC assistant coaches have taken over for a fired head coach. Ed Orgeron did a fabulous job of bringing the team together and creating a winning attitude. Now Clay Helton appears to be doing the very same thing. Can you explain how these assistants have been so much more successful than the men they replaced? Beat the Wildcats and fight on from Earl in West L.A. Well, the only thing I can say is what I see. And what I see is two different types of gentlemen who have been head football coaches. And I think a team plays with the personality of the head football coach. I think that uh, when you're uh, a tough guy and you, you talk intelligently and your kids understand you and they trust you and you're honest to them, you don't BS them, they want to play for you. And I think that not that they, I'm not saying they didn't want to play for Lane Kiffin or they didn't want to play for Steve Sarkeesian, but they're a pair, okay? They're basically the same type of people, individually, personality, the whole package. While Orgeron and Helton are different. They're a different type of man, let's say. Everybody was a man, but they're a different type of man. They're the same ages of what those guys were. Maybe Orgeron's a little bit older, but Helton isn't. And they're more aware of a complete football coach. It's not that they, I think they've had more experience. I think they've played different positions of football. They can talk to the offensive line. They can talk to the defensive line. They, uh, they're, they can go and coach either one of them, or they can go to the defensive side of the ball and, and show a demonstrated technique. Well, I don't think the other guys had that ability, not because they're not smart, not because it's because they never played that position. They haven't been in a, they haven't been in the foxhole really. So I think that's one thing the kids look towards coach. Just tell us where we stand. We want to play for you. Now I'm not saying they weren't great recruiters. Those other two guys, they would be able to get them to USC. But after you get in there, what do you do with them? You've got to get them to be a part of the team. You've got to be able to perform. You've got to forecast. You've got to coach them up. Kids, after their first year or second, they've got to become a better football player. And I didn't see a lot of guys becoming better. But all of a sudden, that's why you're asking me this question. All of a sudden, within a short period of time, these guys are playing hard. These guys care. These guys want to win. Not that they didn't want to win before. But they're playing at a different level. They're playing for a different purpose. And I think that, that that's what the, that's the difference in what you see now and what you've seen. Yeah, it definitely looks like a different purpose out there. Uh, we'll see what happens this weekend versus Arizona, of course. Because um, the last topic, Coach, and this is when you've talked about before, people have asked you, and we've brought up in the podcast numerous times about you didn't really like that USC's playing uh uh, practicing in the mornings because most of the games are at night, especially now in the Pac-12. Right. Uh, so that, I mean, that, that's fair, right? That's what you were saying. You're right. Okay. Um, so we had a couple people write in and basically backing you up. So I'm going to read both of these to you. Aaron in North Carolina, he says, it was on the podcast last year that I sent in and I asked my daughter, who was a neuroscience major at Wake Forest, the question again, and I asked my daughter the question again tonight. 
Basically, it's true that your body records what you do on a consistent basis each day and creates a context of those events. If you continually do something that's very impactful, like practicing football, your body's not only going to create a powerful context, but also prepare your body and mind for that event without even knowing it. When you play games at a different time than you practice, your mind is actually creating a different event and you're fighting your own system. Also, you may wake up alert for a morning practice on game day, even if you're trying to sleep, and then be tired later in the day, day because of mental, a mentally erratic schedule. He says, fight on. So that was from Aaron. We also had Mike in Rhode Island write in. He said, having a medical background, I would like to applaud Coach Harvey Hyde for his intuitive assessment regarding practice times. We are all, all governed by our uh, circadian rhythm, I believe that's how you say it, which is mostly believed to be related to the cycle of sunlight we, we get as well as the cycle of cortisol secretion. So C-O-R-T-I-S-O-L, I believe that's how you say that as well. Um, so some medical terms here, Coach. Bottom line is 5.30 in the morning is counterproductive for teenagers, young men. As you know, uh, for the most part, they go to bed by 1 a.m. plus. We also know that increased reaction time, uh, increased reaction time, physical activity, and, ca- and cardiovascular efficiency is best between 2 p.m. and 6 p.m., specifically in the age group of these athletes. So we are all in agreement. Players should practice and simulate game time and conditions as much as possible as to decrease the margin of error. As we train, simulating emergency scenarios to become efficient in the hospital setting. I apologize for the length of this comment, uh, Mike in Rhode Island. So what do you get your thoughts on all that, Coach? No, I, I applaud them for getting back because I ask people out there that if they agree with me, please let me know. And I think I used an example last week that when we played night games, I would practice at night not just because the body to get accustomed, but I wanted their eyes to get accustomed to the stadium at night with the lights. It's different looking into the lights and catching a punt, looking into the lights and catching a pass. So there's all of these things that are regulated and to your body and how it functions. And people sometimes just say, oh, it doesn't make any difference. It does make a difference. Everything makes a difference in a kid's life. He also deserves the opportunity of being a student, which means why shouldn't he have a little social life in the evening? He has social life in the evening, but it tires him out because he has to get up, and by the time the game comes on the weekend, all he wants to do is sleep, try to catch up from the tiredness he's had during the week. So this is I'm glad to hear medical people that know or can say it in a different way than I say it. I say it as a coach says it, and how my body works and how I've always coached as far as doing that. I've never understood why they've gone to the morning practice. I don't understand that at all. It's too late to change now with Clay Helton because the classes are all scheduled on what they do. And I'm not going to say that I've talked to academic people about this, but I have, not necessarily at USC or anywhere. I'm not going to tell you where. But they tell me they don't like it either in the morning. They think it's better to have a normal life as far as a student, like other students in their class loads. Why make it difficult? Why make it different? So um, that's all I can say on that. Thank you very much for your comments. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I thought it was interesting stuff. So hopefully I didn't screw up any of those medical terms. Not Certainly not my background. But that, that's what uh, the, most of the feedback we got, Coach, was kind of along those lines. So, uh, But great stuff. We really appreciate you coming on, Coach, and sharing all your insights. USC gets the... 27-21 win over California. 
But thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you very much. And for all of you out there, uh, thank you for being a part of our show. And we look forward to being back with you next week. We certainly do. You can follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. Follow the coach at Coach Harvey Hyde. And as you know, you've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you next time. And here's a quick message from Southern California Tickets. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.